Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick or the Notorious Fantasy and in today's video we're going to be talking about my early round bus picks for fantasy football in 2021. Inside today's video, I'm going to talk about the first four rounds of average draft position right now and tell you one player from each round that I believe could be a bust for fantasy football in 2021. But before we get into the breakdown of these bust players inside of the first four rounds, I would like to let you guys know that if you do end up enjoying today's video, to please 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 make sure to hit that subscribe button down below if you are new to my YouTube channel because not only is it free I put out videos every single day to help you guys win your 2021 fantasy football championship and while you're down there whether you are new to my YouTube channel or not please make sure that you hit that like button down below to help boost this video up the algorithm so that more beautiful people like yourself can see today's video I would also like to let you guys know that if you do enjoy the written content side of fantasy football to please make sure to check out the pinned comment or the link in the description to my articles on awesomeo.com. I post articles every single day about players, in-depth breakdowns, onto my feelings about them in 2021. So make sure you check that out if you enjoy the written side of content in fantasy football. So without further ado, let's get into it. My first player is inside of the first round. The second player will be in the second round. Third player in the third round and the fourth player in the fourth round based upon current average draft position. So round one based upon ADP is number one pick is Chris McCaffrey, then Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Austin Eckler. Now, there are really two names here, in my opinion, inside of the first round that glare out to me to be potential bust picks for fantasy football in 2021. The pick that I'm not going to be talking about inside of this video really in depth is Saquon Barkley. Based upon what we know right now, Saquon Barkley could be seeing limited snap share early on in the season for the New York football giants. They could go ahead and put him on a snap count, a load management where he doesn't necessarily get the Saquon Barkley hefty workload that we're used to a Saquon Barkley-like running back getting who's a workhorse running back in the NFL. But personally, I believe even if they were to do that, for the first game, the second game, the third game, even the fourth game of the season, the whole rest of the season, when Saquon Barkley is healthy, you would assume, and playing football at a 100% rate like he normally does, then he is still worth a top five pick in fantasy football. All you have to do is replace Saquon Barkley with another running back for those first couple of weeks of the season. It's very similar to a couple of years ago. If you guys remember when Le'Veon Bell was suspended for smoking on that loud, you could have still drafted Le'Veon Bell as the number two overall pick. You found a replacement back later on in the draft and then even with him missing those couple of games for smoking weed then you were perfectly fine because Le'Veon Bell was an anchor to your roster when he was playing I think that could be a very similar scenario to what we see in New York with Saquon Barkley I'm not overly worried right now because a lot of the news out of training camp is pointing correctly in a positive way for Saquon Barkley but news out of camp that is you know, looking very negative for a player is running back of the Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor. And you want to know the most fucked up part about this is it has nothing to do with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a running back that I expect to tear it up when Carson Wentz is healthy, and I expect him to tear it up for his career in the future. But right now, based upon the fact that he's going at pick overall six, anywhere inside, really, of the first round, I am really pumping the brakes on Jonathan Taylor because the news is that Carson Wentz could be out anywhere from a range of week two of the NFL season all the way until week number nine because he's going to have surgery on that foot that he ended up injuring in training camp a couple of days ago so 
basically without Carson Wentz for an unknown timetable. Nine weeks is more than half of the season. If he is out for nine weeks, then how do you expect this team to really genuinely effectively move the ball without Carson Wentz? Jacob Beeson is a fine quarterback, right? Fine serviceable is a word I would use for Jacob Eason. I don't even think fine was a correct word because I don't think he's really all that good. I don't think he steps into this role and fills the void correctly for Carson Wentz. I think this is going to be a very tough scenario for Jonathan Taylor to really have a great season with, especially early on when Carson Wentz isn't there. Now, later on in the offseason, if we're talking in August and all of the news is pointing to, hey, Carson Wentz is going to be good to go by week number two, week number three, week number four, then I am fully back in on Jonathan Taylor because I will just eat the fact that the first couple of weeks of the season, it is going to be very hard for them to move the ball because if Jacob Eason isn't able to to move the ball effectively, the defenses are going to know exactly what the Colts want to do. They're going to try to hand the ball to the 5'10", 226-pound beast out of Wisconsin. That's what they're going to try to do, and the defense is just going to stack the box. They're going to know exactly what's going to be happening, and Jonathan Taylor is going to get virtually shut down if that is the case. If it's Jacob Eason for like five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks of the season, then Jonathan Taylor is going to, by far and away, blow away your expectations for what he could have been, but in a bad way. Normally when you say, hey, this guy blew out those expectations, it's because he played amazing. But this is going to be the complete opposite because Carson Wentz basically has a stranglehold on, on Jonathan Taylor's upside. Even if you are like myself, you are not a, say, Carson Wentz believer. You are not someone who believes that Carson Wentz was going to be returning to form as the quarterback that he was in 2017 with Frank Reich as the coach in Philadelphia that MVP season and I don't believe that but even though I don't believe that I still think Carson Wentz is a fine quarterback but with Jacob Eason under center I genuinely just do not see how this team is going to be able to move the ball and again it has nothing to do with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor last year in 15 games, JT was the running back six in PPR, six and a half PPR, and the running back number four in standard, averaging 16.9 PPR points per game, 15.7 half PPR points per game, and 14.5 standard points per game. Meaning from a points per game perspective, Jonathan Taylor was the running back number nine in PPR, nine and a half PPR, and the running back number seven in standard. After Marlon Mack got hurt week one, Jonathan Taylor was thrusted into this workhorse role in Indianapolis and he fit perfectly like a glove in this offense and he was balling out. Jonathan Taylor had 232 carries, eighth highest at the running back position for 1,169 rushing yards, number three at running back. In his rookie season, in a COVID offseason, he had 41 targets, 36 receptions, 299 receiving yards, and 12 total touchdowns, ranking fourth at the running back position. So I do think Jonathan Taylor is a great running back. It is clear from his rookie season that he is. But when you're on a team that is going to be so inefficient on offense, in my opinion, and you are a first-round pick, typically in the first round, I am looking to mitigate all chances of risk. That's why people fade Saquon Barkley, and that is why I'm going to be fading Jonathan Taylor, because there's very little risk in drafting an Ezekiel Elliott. There's very little risk in drafting a Derrick Henry around that range, but there is a lot of risk when you're drafting a running back into an offense that just is not all that good without Carson Wentz. So again, like I'm saying, if they go ahead and announce closer to when you're having your fancy drafts in, say, late August, and they say, hey, Carson Wentz is going to be good in a couple of weeks and then boom I'm happy I'm fine drafting Jonathan Taylor but if Carson Wentz is out nine games 
And all reports seem to be that they're not going to bring in Nick Foles. They're not going to bring in a replacement for Jonathan Taylor. Then I'm running for the hills. Let me know down below what you guys think about Jonathan Taylor. Are you willing to draft him in the first round? Because you disagree with what I'm saying. You think Jacob Beeson's going to be fine. They're still going to be able to move the ball. That could be true. But to me, I'm looking to mitigate the risk inside of the first round. And I see this as a very risky scenario. Next up, we got the second round of current average draft position. Beginning at 13 with Aaron Jones. Followed by Stefan Diggs, Najee Harris, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, Antonio Gibson, Patty Mahomes, Calvin Ridley, Joe Mixon, Darren Waller, Justin Jefferson, and A.J. Brown. Now, the simple answer to this question is that the biggest bust in the second round is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Because honestly, even if Patrick Mahomes finishes as the number one quarterback where he's coming off the board like I expect him to do, you drafted him in the second round, your running back depth, your wide receiver depth is completely thrown out the window by drafting a quarterback this high up in the draft. When you could have just waited two rounds later and gotten a Lamar, a Kyler Murray, a Dak Prescott, who are probably going to put up very close numbers to Pat Mahomes, and Pat Mahomes is going two rounds earlier, so I hope that you guys do understand where I'm coming from on that. I don't think Pat Mahomes is going to be bad, but I think drafting a quarterback that early to me is a bit foolish, but the real answer here is this one's going to be a little bit controversial because I know that a lot of people like this player that is wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks, DK Metcalf, pick overall 17, wide receiver number five off the board. Now, the reason why I don't like DK Metcalf is because of the offense that he is in. I believe that Russell Wilson is genuinely a very good quarterback. He goes by Mr. Unlimited for a reason, because when he is given the opportunity, he cooks it up behind the offensive line like Gordon Ramsay. He cooks up a five-star Michelin fucking meal for this offense, which is really good if you're uh, not a chef or maybe you don't watch like Hell's Kitchen like I do. That's how I know about that. But yeah, the guy just cooks it up behind the offensive line. He plays well. But Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll has basically put Russell Wilson on a fucking leash. He's dog walking him. He is. He really is because Russell Wilson doesn't get the opportunity to throw the ball as much as he would want to because Pete Carroll loves two things in life. He loves chewing gum aggressively on the sideline and when the camera pans to him that you can just, you just know that that man is chomping on some bubble gum. And then the other thing he loves is running the football. You want to know who doesn't run the football? The wide receivers on the team. Typically. Now, sometimes there are wide receivers that run the ball, but DK Metcalf, he's not going to run the ball. And there is also another thing I want to talk about in this offense, and that is Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett last year, everyone was very disgruntled if you had Tyler Lockett because while he finished very highly at wide receiver he was a top 12 wide receiver every single week it was so confusing one week Tyler Lockett is going to pound town on the defense then for like five weeks it's a silent night like it's around Christmas time or something and then weeks later he balls out again it was very very annoying if you had Tyler Lockett last year because he was the complete definition of boom or bust. He was dropping 40 points or he was getting you like six. And that's not the best. But DK Metcalf was really eating in those other games where D where Tyler Lockett was basically in a shell, completely disappeared. So my thoughts are, what if Tyler Lockett gets a little more consistent? What if Russ is throwing the ball a little more his way this season? Then what happens to DK Metcalf? Because when Lockett was going off, Metcalf was nowhere to be found. 
So if Russ is spreading it out a little bit more, you don't, you know Russ doesn't hate Tyler Lockett or something, so he's going to throw the ball his way. And if that continues to happen and they try to run the ball at this high clip like Pete Carroll continues to talk about at the end of last season, everyone's asking him questions about, hey, what are you going to do with Russell Wilson next year? One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. you got to throw the ball. He's like, got to run the ball more. Then this, this season, right now, in the offseason, in training camp, goes out there, they ask him questions, we need to run the football more. We need to run the football more. And he's not fucking lying to you. He's not just telling you that they're going to run the football because he regrets not running the football on the one-yard line in the Super Bowl all that many years ago. He wants to run the football because it is in his DNA. So if they try to run the ball more, if Tyler Lockett is more consistent, then DK Metcalf is going to fall outside of the top five. I have DK Metcalf as a top 10 wide receiver because I think DK Metcalf is going to be fine, but I am severely tempering my expectations compared to where he's going right now, so he will not really end up on a lot of my teams. Coming off the board right now as wide receiver number five, there are a couple wide receivers that I like much more than DK Metcalf. Again, this is going to be a pretty controversial take because we're going to look at his stats real quick. I'm going to talk about him from last year, but I'm being honest with you guys. I see... A clear path for DK Metcalf to have severe regression in 2021. Last year, in six games, he was the wide receiver 7 in PPR, 7 in half PPR, and the wide receiver number 5 in standard. Averaging 17 PPR points per game, 14.4 half PPR points per game, and 11.8 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, Metcalf was the wide receiver 10 in PPR, 8 in half PPR, and 8 in standard. And it was not surprising at all. This man had 129 targets, 8.1 per game, ranking 14th at the wide receiver position. 83 receptions, 5.2 per game, ranking 17th at wide receiver, 1,303 receiving yards, 6th at wide receiver, and 10 total touchdowns, 7th at wide receiver. And if I'm being honest with you, DK drives some touchdowns last year so he probably should have scored even more touchdowns he had eight drops on the season ranking seventh at the wide receiver position he's up there trying to rival Deontay Johnson for having fucking butterfingers but no one really talks about it with DK Metcalf like they like to clown my boy Deontay Johnson so his stats were great he just is on a team that to me isn't going to be passing the ball as much as last season. I really believe they're going to look to put their nose down, put their fucking head down, and run the rock in 2021. If I am wrong, if that is not the case, and they try to cook it up with Russell Wilson, then you better believe DK Metcalf is going to be a top five wide receiver and could be the number one overall wide receiver because this dude is literally made in a fucking lab. The guy is absolutely jacked. He's so tall, he's huge, and he runs like Tyreek Hill. It's actually insane. But, again, I like the player, I just don't like the team, I don't like the situation that he's in in Seattle, so I'm going to be hitting DK Metcalf with the fade this season inside of the second round. We're about halfway into this video, so if you guys have ended up enjoying thus far, please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below, as well as hitting that like button. I would really appreciate it, and leave some type of comment about any of these players. Let me know if you agree or disagree, because leaving a comment really helps this video get a lot more engagement, uh, get a lot more views, and that really does help me out a ton. So thank you guys. I do love you guys. Thank you for watching halfway through this video. So round three begins with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, followed by George. Kittle, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Swift, Josh Allen, Dave Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Miles Sanders, C.D. Lamb, and Chris Carson. Now, there was a very easy pick in this round because it's a tight end that I am, as you guys may know if you've been watching for some time, not really accustomed to liking. I don't like him this season. 
because of my worries about the quarterback position there. Will it be Jimmy G? Will it be Trey Lance? What's going to be happening when they switch to Trey Lance? Does George Kittle's value go down the fucking drain? Because we know Jimmy Garoppolo loves throwing the ball to George Kittle, but does Trey Lance? I don't know. And George Kittle has been kind of injury prone recently. But he's not the guy I'm going to be talking about because I didn't want to take the cop-out answer and talk about two tight ends inside this video. So we're going to be talking about running back of the Philadelphia Eagles, Miles Sanders. He is currently coming off the board as pick number 34, running back number 18, and I have him ranked below that. Miles Sanders, to me, is a pick you make in the third round, and you there's no way you can be excited, in my opinion, about drafting Miles Sanders. For basically the last two years of this guy's career, was a rookie in 2019, 2020 was a sophomore season, everyone has gotten on their knees and given Miles Sanders the Gawk Gawk 9000 special, the Dick Suckaroo, and everyone talks him up. Now, I think Miles Sanders is a perfectly fine running back, the heir to the throne in Penn State after Saquon Barkley left, he was good in college, blah blah blah. But on this team in Philadelphia, I don't really know what to think. They lose Doug Peterson, who put Miles Sanders in the running back by committee hell for the last couple of seasons. Even when you think Miles Sanders is going to break those chains off of him of this deathly running back by committee, it just sneaks back up on him like fucking Randy Orton RKO type of deal here. And that's not good. But now Nick Sarani is there, the new head coach. They still, though, have Boston Scott behind him. They have Carrion Johnson. They have other running backs back there. So again, I'm not too worried about those running backs, but there is a chance that Miles Sanders is just stuck in a committee. To me, the reason why I think Miles Sanders could potentially be a bust is not because of Miles Sanders' talent. I've said that about basically every one of these players, but it's because I don't feel excited in the slightest about drafting Miles Sanders. I would have to get some fucking... Viagra to get excited about drafting Miles Sanders because to me there's no excitement with him with some of these other running backs There's like damn this guy could be top 12 JK Dobbins if DeAndre Swift catches a bunch of passes and maybe the Lions offense isn't as bad Then boom DeAndre Swift top 12 running back David Montgomery in Chicago did it last year Can he repeat what's gonna happen with Andy Dalton here? But if Tariq Cohen's limited then we could really see David Montgomery flourish potential top 12 running back Chris Carson he was the last pick of the third round. I talked about how, hey, Chris Carson, they might try to run the ball even more this season. That's what Pete Carroll's talking about. If they establish the run, Chris Carson is a running back that's also very talented in the pass catching game, then boom, there is a reasonable scenario where he finishes top 12. To me, I don't see a single scenario. Where's the argument for Miles Sanders to finish top 12? Now, you can make the same argument that I'm about to make right now for J.K. Dobbins. But I don't think you really can because the Baltimore Ravens run the ball a lot. They run it so much. Philly's going to try to air it out at least a decent amount. And Jalen Hurts is going to vulture Miles Sanders a bunch of times, probably. Miles Sanders isn't the most elite goal line back. He's not the most elite pass catching back. Sure, he's good at it. He's not great, though. And I just feel like... For some reason, Miles Sanders is going to be hyped up again, and he is just trapped in this running back by committee hell again in 2021. The reason why I'm calling him a bust, really, is not because I think he's genuinely going to completely suck ass this season, but because I have him ranked lower than where he's getting drafted, and I don't want to draft him. I just don't feel excited at all about making that pick. Maybe you do. Leave an argument down below if you like Miles Sanders and tell me why, because I 
just don't really see it in Philadelphia for him. In 12 games last year, finishing as the running back 23 in PPR, 23 and a half PPR, and the RB number 21 in standard, averaging 14.2 PPR points per game, 13 half PPR points per game, and 11.9 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, he was the RB 20 in PPR, 19 half PPR, and the RB 16 in standard, having 164 carries, 13.7 per game, ranking 21st at the running back position, 871 rushing yards, 14th at the running back position. He had a grand total of 52 targets, 4.3 per game for 28 receptions, 197 receiving yards, and six total touchdowns. I do expect the offensive line to be better in Philadelphia, definitely when compared to last season. But again, I just don't want to draft Miles Sanders because I'm not excited to do it. I'm just not seeing any top 12 potential out of him. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm drafting a player inside of the second, the third, the fourth round. I'm looking for that top 12 potential. Next up, we got the fourth round of average draft position headed by Josh Jacobs, followed by Mike Evans, Kyler Murray, Julio Jones, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, Lamar Jackson, Chris Godwin, Kyle Pitts, Miles Gaskin, Dak Prescott, and Adam Thielen. Miles Gaskin is going in the fourth round now. Pretty nice for Miles Gaskin. I like Miles Gaskin a lot. He's not who I'm going to be talking about here because I just said I liked him a lot. The biggest bust in the fourth round. I already gave you a hint. It's the only tight end in here because I said that it was going to be a tight end. It's Kyle Pitts, tight end of the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Pitts is so fucking hyped up because he's really good. Because in college, he was making these SEC defenders look like they've never put on their cleats before. They looked like they were on JV and he was on varsity, but he's been in high school for 10 years, right? That's what it looks like. He was just a grown man up against children. He was a fucking grown man playing up against Kids that are seven years old, that's literally what it looks like for the six foot six, 245-pound behemoth out of Florida. But the reason why I'm not looking to draft Kyle Pitts is, for one, because I have other tight ends ranked ahead of him. He's coming off the board right now as the tight end number four, which is very ambitious. And I'm going to tell you why. In the last decade, the last 10 years of fantasy football, one tight end has finished inside of the top five that was a rookie. Guess who it was down below? Ding, 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 ding. I'm trying to make like the Jeopardy noise or whatever that is. Let me know down below. Who do you think it is? Pause the video right now because I'm going to tell you. It's Evan Ingram. It was Evan Ingram in his rookie year. He's the only one to finish top five in their rookie year. There was one in the last 10 years. So all of these statistics are pointing out of Kyle Pitt's favor. It's not forever in his favor or whatever they say in the Hunger Games to Katniss. That's not what this is. The odds are not in Kyle Pitts's favor at all. Now, you can make the argument that Kyle Pitts fucking would eat Evan Ingram for, bre for breakfast. And I, and I agree, right? He is. He's better than all of those other rookie tight ends. He is being acclaimed as Calvin Johnson Megatron as a tight end. Great acclaiming, right? Amazing statistics in college if you look at his last season this guy was destroying like I was saying eight games 43 receptions on 67 targets 770 receiving yards 17.9 yards per reception 12 total touchdowns the guy's a fucking monster but when you're drafting him in the fourth round as tight end number four you are expecting a irregular season out of a rookie tight end now I'm not always someone who is super duper statistical I'm not a statistics guy not a math guy. I'm an eyes guy. I like to see the player and feel them out that way. 
But I also like to back my sayings with statistics. I like to back what I'm stating here with statistics, and the statistics are completely pointing against Kyle Pitts. So draft him very cautiously, because in some drafts, he's going to go in the fourth round. If he goes in the sixth round, if he's going behind Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, then I'm fine drafting him there. But where he's going inside of the fourth round to me is very ludicrous. It's crazy because you're expecting a top-tier rookie season, like a 0.0001% season out of a rookie tight end, which is going to be very hard. If anyone could, could do it, it's Kyle Pitts. But I'm going to lean with the numbers here and say do not draft Kyle Pitts. He is the biggest bust inside of the fourth round. So thank you guys all so much for watching today's video. If you did end up enjoying, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button down below. Not only is it free, I put out content every single day. This is the first video of the day. There's going to be a second video even later. I make content every single day on the Osmo Fantasy Football YouTube channel. Going to be live at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time talking with Lawfee. Want to have a great time on that live stream, so check that out. I post a video every single day, Monday through Friday on there, and I get I post all those articles for free. Everything is free on Osmo.com. It's free. Post every day on there. Articles for you to read. If you want to help me out, if you're a fan of myself, not even a fan, right? Because I feel like a dick saying, oh, you're a fan of me. Like, who am I? Fucking Brad Pitt or something? My, you guys are my friends, in my opinion. I love all of you guys. That's why in these videos, I'm talking to you like you're my friends, because you are my friends, in my opinion. So make sure that if you want to support me, the best way to do that is by reading my articles on Osmo.com. It really helps me out a ton. So please make sure that you do that. I love you guys. Make sure that you stay safe. Happy, what's today, Monday? Happy Monday, baby. It's the start of the week, but before you know it, it's going to be Friday. It's going to be the weekend again, and I'll try to make sure to hold you guys over with great videos every single day. I do love you guys all. Thank you for all the support recently. The subscriber count is going through the fucking roof. 15,000 subscribers by the end of next week. And then 20,000 by the end of this month. Calling my shot, Babe Ruth style. I love you guys all. Make sure that you stay safe. Have a great rest of your guys' day. As always, kaboom!